You're listening to the St John's Diamond Creek Podcast. And welcome back to another episode of the St John's Diamond Creek Podcast. It's Andy again for another week here with Tim. G'day Andy. Hi Tim, how you doing? Going well, thank you. Good, you had a good week? Uh, my week's been great, thanks Andy. Yeah. Right, good. Well, we're back with another episode of Christianity Explored and we are still going through the book of Mark. Uh, if you didn't catch last week's episode, go back and listen to it because this is a, a direct follow-on from that, so you'll need to to have that pre-reading, uh, I guess, that pre-knowledge uh, before we move into this week's episode. As a reminder, last week we spoke about the authority of Jesus. Yeah, we're thinking about the life of Jesus yep. and uh, how he yeah, showed that he was special mm. by the authority uh, that he had, authority to deal with sickness, authority over nature. Um, yeah, uh, authority as a teacher. Uh, when people listen to Jesus, they recognize that he, he was someone that needed to be listened to. Yeah. And so aspects of Jesus' life that mean that we do really need to pay attention to him and take him seriously uh, and take him seriously as someone even who's more than just a human. Mm. He uh, said he had authority to forgive sins, to forgive the wrong things that we've done. So, yeah. Yeah, great. Uh, as a reminder, we are reading through the book of Mark, which is one of the books of the Bible. Uh, we're using a, one of the translations called the New International Version. Uh, if you don't have a copy of that, reach out to us. We'll try and get one in your hands, assuming you live nearby to Diamond Creek. But otherwise, you can go to bible.com slash app. And you can download a free version on your phone, or you can read it on on your computer as well. If you just go to Bible.com and make sure you select the NIV, the New International Version, because that's the the one we're following. So uh, why don't we kick into it? Um, and uh, yeah, what have what have we got today? What are we? Well, yeah, last week we, we focused Andy on uh, the life of Jesus and his authority, and we're going to think a bit today about Jesus' death, his death on the cross. Mm. Um, you probably don't need to know that much about Christianity to know that you know Christians think the cross is a pretty big deal. Well, yeah, we hang them everywhere. We put them in our churches, in our homes. People wear them on necklaces. Um, you know, and, and I mean, Easter was just a couple of weeks ago, so the, the hot cross buns were out in force. And uh, while they might be a bit squarer than our normal crosses, yeah, they, uh, they're there to represent the the cross. There's yeah. a cross on top. Yeah, uh, I think you know a couple of years ago. I did a bit of a count up. I was trying to work out how many crosses right. we actually had in our church building yep. uh, and counted something like 80 Gosh. or something like that. And then when I put it out as a challenge to our um, members of our of our church here yep. to work it out, I realized that I'd miscounted. Someone came up and ah. came up with something like 200 odd. Heck. <laughs> I'd missed that there were all these little crosses on um, advertising flyers. Yeah. And, um, yep. So, yeah, the cross is clearly a big deal for Christians. Mm. And it's kind of weird that it is because yeah. it'd be the equivalent these days of putting something like an electric chair mm. as your key symbol on the top of your church building. Yeah. It's this it's this brutal murder device, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. It's one of the most uh, painful, excruciating, cruel ways uh, to torture and kill people. Uh, and the Romans used it really as a way of as a deterrent. So um, only the worst scum and criminal really were put to death on a cross. Mm. Roman citizens couldn't be crucified. Really? No, it was illegal uh, because it was just, it was just too, too cruel a way to die. It wasn't humane at all. So it was only uh, foreigners and slaves and scum who were really put to death on the cross. So it's kind of strange that Christians 
celebrate it mm. and put yeah. it everywhere yeah. in their buildings and yeah. around their necks. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to think a little bit today about why that is. Um, why is it so important to Christians? What What does it mean? Yeah. Uh, so again, um, our plan with this podcast is to look at the accounts of Jesus' life. We're looking at Mark, his biography, I guess, of Jesus. Uh, we're going to read a few bits which speak about the cross and just chat through it. Cool. So, yeah. All right. Great. So, Andy, why don't you kick us off? Uh, Mark uh, chapter 8. Chapter uh, eight. We're about halfway through. There's 16 chapters in total in Mark. So, Mark chapter 8 uh, and just verses 27 uh, to 33. So this comes after what we were talking about last week, where people are seeing Jesus' authority. They're seeing Jesus in action. Um, and in some ways, here in the middle of Mark, it's a bit like the turning point in this book. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, Who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. What about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Yeah, so I say it's the turning point in this book because... Like we were talking about last week, people have been observing the life of Jesus and his authority. And it comes to a crunch here where Jesus turns to his followers and say, who do people think that I am? Uh, and there's a variety of answers there. Basically, the summary is that they think that he's he's like a prophet. He's a special human being. Um and then he personalizes the question as Jesus is very good, actually, at turning the question to us. Well, what about you? Who do you think yeah, I am? Yeah, he does that pretty often, doesn't he? Yep. And Peter says, you are the Messiah, which is the word that we were talking about last week. Yeah, we learned Christ, that Christ, Messiah, yeah. you're this great king. And clearly, Peter nails it because Jesus says, yeah, don't go telling everyone all about that, yeah. but implies that he's got the right answer. Um, and immediately, now that Peter has worked out that Jesus is this special king that God is sending, he starts predicting his death, um, that he's going to uh, suffer and he's going to be killed, but he will rise rise again. Um, so clearly, in Jesus' mind, his death is key to the reason that he has come. It's key to his mission, if you like. Peter doesn't get it. No. <laughs> I mean, he's a brave man. I don't know whether you, you know, <laughs> hey, Jesus, sorry, I'm going to correct you here yeah. <laughs> and tell you you've got it completely wrong. Uh, take Jesus aside and, and tell him that he, he's got it wrong. Um, but again, because we've talked about, uh, well, we've talked about how awful a thing the, the cross is. Uh, if Jesus is this great king, why is he now talking about suffering and dying? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to Peter, and we need to be sympathetic with that. Um, but Jesus says, 
you you've got human things in your mind, not the concerns of God. So Jesus' death is central to God's plan and his concerns. So he's predicting up front what's going to happen to him. Mm. Yeah, that's um that's pretty heavy. Like that's he he sort of just puts it out there, doesn't he? Um and I guess he I mean he's still at this point so the, so Jesus talks about being the son of man. At this point has he made that clear that he's the son of man? Is it yeah, well, yeah, it's often a term that Jesus uses for himself, um, and it can just mean human being. Yeah. But it also, in the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament, there's this prediction in the book of Daniel about a son of man who's going to have all authority over the whole world. And so it's ambiguous in the way that Jesus uses it. Is, is he just saying he's a human, or is he saying that he's this great figure that's been promised, this prophetic sort of figure? Mm. So I think Jesus deliberately keeps it ambiguous. Um, it's a bit odd. Some people find it odd that Jesus says, oh, look, don't go telling everyone that I'm this great king that yeah. God was going to send. But I think it's because of the response of people like Peter. They had expectations about this glorious king who would maybe conquer their political enemies, right. be a military leader. And Jesus doesn't want people to um, push him in that direction when he has something bigger that he's trying to achieve. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And his death is how he's going to do it. So it goes against the expectations, and I guess he doesn't want what he's doing getting derailed by um, popular opinion and people trying to push him into a political figure, which is not what he's intending to be. Yeah, yeah, because if that was to happen, you know, you could foresee, well, if he rises in political power, then maybe the Romans just assassinate him, yep. which he would still die, but not. that's not the plan. The plan is more than death really it's the suffering the humiliation and then ultimately the three days when he when he dies that that's the work being completed absolutely yeah and pretty much from this turn on uh, this point on in 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 mark uh he's going to predict and start speaking about his death uh, over and over again they need they need to recognize something of jesus authority as we spoke about last week to recognize that he is from god that he actually is god and then once they've got that, he starts talking about, and now I'm going to tell you what I've come to do, and my death is central to that. Yeah. yeah. So why don't, we, why don't we skip? We're actually going to skip ahead um, to uh, where Jesus is put to death. Um, so we're going towards the end of Mark. We're in uh, Mark chapter 15, uh, verses 33 to 39. I'll get you to read that, Andy. Uh, but just to make the comment that in all of these biographies of Jesus that we read, um, they give a lot of time in terms of the words to the death of Jesus and to the lead up to his death. Mm. So if you're writing a biography of a person's life, you often, you know, you give even... Forward. Well, you give even more... Even, oh, oh, sure. I suppose you, you skip over you their might. childhood maybe or yeah. you focus on key events. Um, this is a week the final week of Jesus' life right, yeah. makes up and something it's... like, uh, I, I don't know the stats, but almost a quarter of the whole book. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it's clearly important in what Mark's trying to tell us. Yeah, really detail-orientated. Yep. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani? which means, my God, my God, 
why have you forsaken me? When some, when some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. So it's basic. Uh, it's a basic account of the events uh, of Jesus' crucifixion. That's just one one part of it, um, and it doesn't go into all the gory detail. Sometimes when you watch no. movies like you know the Passion, Passion of the of Christ, Christ, you know yep. they they emphasise the blood and the gore. Uh, actually, these biographies of Jesus they don't speak about how gruesome it was. We know it was gruesome, um, but they they just simply give us the facts in some way. Mm. But there's details here which help us to understand why Jesus was dying on the cross. Um, Later in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible, in some of the letters that were written to different churches, there's a bit more of an interpretation of the meaning of the cross. But even here, uh, we can think about some of the details and and why Jesus died on the cross and what was happening. Um, So I really liked your Aramaic reading, Andy, where you you. your Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sabachthani. Well, pretty, uh, you didn't stumble over that. You did very well. No, I've, I've read this passage once, before, once or twice before. So I, um, you got it? Yeah. Um, why, as Jesus is on the cross, does he cry out uh, with this phrase, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, Christians believe that as Jesus dies on the cross, that he was actually taking our sin upon himself, the wrong that we've done. Yeah. The, uh, I guess the attitude to God primarily where mm. we've said, God, we don't want you to be in charge. We want to be in charge of our own lives. Uh, that Jesus actually deals with that sin and that wrong as he dies on the cross. Yeah. Um, and God can't exist alongside sin. They're just incompatible. And so when is it that moment that, Jesus is is taking the sin of the whole world, and so if if Jesus is fully man and fully God, the man of him is getting the sin, and so the God has to abandon ship. Well, no, I wouldn't put it that way because no? okay. you don't you don't want to separate uh, Jesus being fully God and fully human okay. in what is happening here. Uh, but when he speaks to God, his Father. Uh, as you rightly said, uh, God is pure and holy and uh, can have no part with sin. And so uh, because we human beings have done the wrong thing, it actually breaks the relationship with God. We get separated from God um, because of the wrong that we've done. So as Jesus takes that on himself, uh, his Father, God the Father, forsakes him and turns his back on him as he bears our sin. So it's like he, he really suffers the consequences that should be our consequences and he experiences the punishment, separation from God that should be ours as he hangs on the cross. And so in that cry, really that's what's been happening. Often the term that uh, is used by Christians for this is uh, substitute. Uh, 
So uh, those uh, who are familiar with different sports like footy, substitutes run on and they replace a player. So in the sense as Jesus is hanging on the cross, he's our substitute. He's taking our place and taking our sin and the punishment for it and the guilt for it um, in our place. Yeah. So um, going back again to last week where we talked about Jesus' authority to forgive sin, which is the authority of God alone, uh, this is how Jesus does it. This is how he can have authority to say your sins are forgiven because he deals with them and he takes them on as he dies on the cross. Yeah, it's big stuff. It is big stuff. Can I ask a, uh, a more a smaller question? Yep. We've just been dealing with that big stuff. Um, the Bible was not written in English, yep. and so we have this English translation from the original, which was... Uh, uh, mainly, mainly, mainly Greek, Greek for the New Testament. Sure. Yeah. But this this phrase, Eloi, Eloi, whatever, that's not translated. No. Um, I mean, it is, but in in brackets after in, in the actual writings. Yeah. So uh, Mark, who would have been writing for an original audience using Greek, yeah. decided that this phrase was important enough to okay, write in Aramaic, which is the language that Jesus himself would have spoken. So right. Jesus wasn't a Greek. Well, he didn't generally carry out his conversations in Greek. He spoke Aramaic, which sure. was the language of his uh, society. Um, yeah, and Mark's just... From time to time, you get this, where the phrase is just retained uh, in the original language that Jesus would have spoken it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, that's an and interesting we, aside. Uh, but he doesn't assume that his readers know what it means because he gives a translation, which is helpful. Yeah, yeah that's good. Um, the other thing which is interesting in this passage, Andy, is what's going on with this this uh, curtain in the temple. Yeah. Uh, why Why does Mark emphasize that? And he emphasizes the fact that this is sort of simultaneously that as Jesus dies, this curtain rips down the middle from the top to the bottom. You need you actually need a little bit of background to understand that in the sense that you know the temple uh, in Israel was the place where people met with God. Um, it was thought to be sort of God's uh, dwelling place or the house of the Lord. It was sometimes called. So you would go there and you'd you'd offer sacrifices. They'd offer uh, goats or sheep, um, different things like that, as a way of dealing with their sin and wrongdoing. Uh, and again, um, that as Jesus dies on the cross, Christians believe that he was offering a sacrifice once and for all uh, to deal with our sin so that there was actually no longer any need to offer animal sacrifices as a means of dealing with sin because the one and perfect sacrifice was offered as Jesus offered himself on the cross. Mm. Uh, and the curtain... They can, they're not just, it's not just blinds. It's not blinds on the no. windows. The The physical space within the temple was divided into rooms, if you like. Right. And behind the curtain was what was called the Holy of Holies, like the most holy place where it was thought that's actually where God lives. And the ripping of the curtain symbolically is saying there's no barrier now for people to come into God's presence. Yeah, Jesus breaks that and... And literally brings us into relationship directly with God. We yep. don't need yep. intermediaries. Absolutely. Yeah. And as you said before, when you understand that our wrongdoing should actually prevent us being in God's presence, that it's almost dangerous to be in the presence of a pure, holy God when we have done wrong, to say the way is open, come on in, 
shows how completely Jesus does deal with our sin as he dies on the cross, that there's no barrier. I mean, you, you guys listening there, you, you may have things, you probably do have things in your life that you're thinking of in your mind that you think, oh, you know, if God knew that, there's no way that he would welcome me. He wouldn't, he wouldn't want me. Mm. I just feel sh- ashamed or guilty for things that I've done. Um, Spoiler alert, he already knows. He does already know. He knows everything. <laughs> and the, this is such a powerful way of saying Jesus deals completely with all of that stuff, whatever it is, no matter how bad it is, uh, Jesus' death on the cross is enough to deal with it and to rip open the doorway yeah. so that you can come into God's presence and be in relationship with him. Mm. It's pretty amazing stuff. That's fantastic stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um. So in that brief account, there's actually quite a lot of hints as to why the cross is such a big deal for Christians. It's why we wear it around our necks as a necklace and plaster it everywhere around our churches because we're saying this is not just a man being tortured and killed in a gruesome way. It's not just sort of a good example of someone being sacrificial, but it's more than that. It actually achieves something. It achieves forgiveness of our wrongdoing and it opens the doorway so that we can be in a relationship with the God who made us and the whole universe forever. Um, So it's worth celebrating, which is why we do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what what struck me at Easter and what strikes me every year is uh, is that celebration aspect that uh, even... Good Friday, which is the the day these events happened, uh, where Jesus died brutally. Um, I mean, if people go back and listen to the the other episodes of this podcast, they'll see you describe it as joyful Friday, and it it just it gets me every year that yeah, these events were horrific and and barbaric, but the reason that they happened is such a a reason for celebration. It's such a joyous thing that um, that Jesus died because he he literally saved the the entirety of of humanity. That um, yeah, he broke that curtain. He broke the door, and he's brought us into a relationship with with himself and with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Absolutely, and I mean it's important to emphasize too. And we saw this with Jesus' prediction is that Jesus willingly chose this path as a way of rescuing us. Um, Sometimes people get the wrong idea when we talk about, you know, Jesus dying on the cross to take our sins and um, being separated from God, his father. Somehow, you know, it's like sometimes people use the language of, you know, divine child abuse that somehow, um, you know, the God, the father is punishing um, the son in order to deal with our wrong. But. Jesus himself is fully God, and he willingly chooses to do this. It's like um, someone has once described it as the self-substitution of God, that God chooses to put himself on that cross in order to restore the relationship with humankind. Mm. Um, It's human beings, it's you and I, who should bear the consequences for our sin. But God says, you know what, I am going to take that onto myself because I'm so committed to a relationship with people and each individual person that Jesus would have actually gone through that 
for you as an individual. Um, each individual person is so precious to God that he's willing to do that. Yeah, huge, huge. Have we got time for one more one more yeah, little passage? Yeah. This is just a little one skipping back. As I said, there's, there's not heaps of stuff through Mark which give us the interpretation necessarily of what's happening on the cross. It's just the facts so that we can um, hear it for ourselves. Um, but earlier on, back in Mark 10, and we're just going to read one verse, verse 45, uh, Jesus gives a bit of a further interpretation as to what's going on. But I might just give a bit of context. Sure. So, again, for the third time, Jesus has predicted that he is going to die on the cross, that he's going to suffer and he's going to die and he'll rise again. And immediately after he's told his followers this, Two of them are having an argument about who's more important, um, and uh, they want positions of power. Um, when Jesus comes as king, uh, they want to be uh, on his right and his left side, the positions of power. And Jesus has to tell them off and say, you guys have got totally the wrong idea about what my rule and authority is all about. And then we come to uh, Mark 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So again, Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man, and he's trying to emphasize that his purpose in coming is not to just be served by other people. He's not this sort of king who comes and people just bow to him. Quite the opposite. His reason to come was to serve us and to give his life. And he uses that language there, Andy, of um, being a ransom for people. Yeah. So, I mean, we've been kidnapped. Yeah. And he's offering, you know, someone sent him a letter with cut up words from a magazine. And is that... Am I in the right direction? Yeah, it's kind of... That's, <laughs> yeah. Well, when we, when we talk about ransoms, we think, you know, kidnapping, we think... Pirates, I, I don't know. Yeah, you know, that, yeah. Um, a ransom is yeah a payment to free a person who's yeah. captive. Yeah. Um, and so this is one of the images that the Bible uses to explain what's going on in the cross, in the sense that humankind, you and I, uh, are in a sense we're enslaved by the wrong things that we do. We're sort of captive to sin and wrongdoing, and Jesus wants to pay the price, pay the ransom to set us free. So the purpose of Jesus coming to serve us was to rescue and release us, to mm. pay a price that we couldn't pay in order to deal with, deal with our sin. Yeah. Could, could you imagine, though, if, just taking this ransom metaphor too far, if God said, no, I don't negotiate with terrorists... Absolutely, except it's, it's himself. He's kind of negotiating yeah, with himself, true, isn't true. he? Yeah. <laughs> um, and again, it's yeah. not uh, it's not a third party sort of coming in to save the day. It's God Himself in Jesus paying the price that we couldn't pay yeah. because He's so committed to having a relationship with people yeah. that He's willing to do it. Yeah. Now we're not saying in that little joke that God is a terrorist. <laughs> let's just make that clear. <laughs> Please, let's just be absolutely clear on that. No, again, it's it's an image that the cross is about setting people free. Uh, and then we'll, we'll talk next week about the fact that Jesus doesn't stay dead, that he comes uh, to life again. And the purpose of the forgiveness of sins and setting us free is to set us free to live a new life uh, and to live a life which is radically different from the wrongdoing that we often do, the priorities that we get wrong, 
um, the things that we love and serve more than God himself. Um, so he's actually wanting to release us and set us free for a better life. Uh, the Bible sometimes talks about it as abundant life, like life that overflows and is joyful and good. Um, that's what Jesus came to set us free for. He set us free from sin, but for a better life. Yeah, yeah. great, great. Um, and I, I don't know, I don't know the content of this course, <laughs> so I might be getting We're learning ahead. as we go. Um, yeah. And uh, it's um, just this verse um, about not coming to serve, but to, uh, sorry, not coming to be served, but to serve. Um, that for me personally, that um, that idea actually formulates a lot of what I do that um, it's, and I, I think this is probably true of, of Christians all over the place, but it's that, that idea of following Jesus' footsteps to, to help people, to serve people, to um, not expect stuff to, to be good or for people to come and, and serve you as a, you know, because you're a Christian. I mean, Tim, you're the senior minister of a, of a fairly large church in Melbourne, you're one of the most humble guys I know. Like oh, you, uh, you definitely don't expect to be served, and um, yeah, I think that's a uh, a point that we can take from the exact words of Jesus here. That um, that's us as his followers should also expect the same. Absolutely, um, yeah. And and look uh, at at our best. You know, Christians don't get it right all the time. Oh, we stuff it up all the time. But at yeah. our best, we should be modelling ourselves on Jesus, who is a servant leader. And it's funny, you know, you talk about me being the senior minister. Minister actually means servant. Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah. you could think me as the senior yeah. servant within the church. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's really what uh, what ministers should be, serving, modelled on the way that Jesus loved and served people as well, and all Christian people. Yeah. It's not unique to, we're all ministers. We're all servants um, after the model of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So that was... Uh Session number two, talking about the cross, the crucifixion, the death of Jesus. If this has brought up any questions for you, we would love to answer them. We're about to jump into some questions from last week, but you can email your questions to questions at stjohnsdc.org.au and we'll give a crack at answering them next week on the the podcast. Uh, But we've got some from last week. Um, you're going to give the homework, or you want to? Oh, yeah, the and... homework. I yeah, totally yeah. forgot. We didn't even check last week's homework. Did oh, you no. do the readings <laughs> last week? Yeah, that's right. Put your hand up if you yeah. didn't, didn't do the homework. Oh, you dog ate the. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. What's our homework this week? Uh, chapters six to ten. Chapters six to ten. Mark so chapters six Mark to ten. So we did six. one to five the first week, and so uh, where you'll end up is is pretty much. What, that last verse that we read almost is only a little bit after that in chapter ten. Yeah, yep. just those next five chapters. Yeah, great. So, Mark, uh, chapter 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10 for next week. We will check that next week, so make sure you do it. And, um, yeah, we'd love to hear your questions about any of the content from that or from last week or, or anything else uh, that's, you know, um, piqued your interest over the course of this podcast. So, uh, Tim, we've got some questions. Um, why don't I get us started? Uh, the question that came in... Um, from the readings from Mark 1 to 5. Uh, question number one, why did Jesus tell people not to tell other people when he healed them? Yeah, 
Uh, we kind of covered that a little bit today, didn't we? In a little the, bit, in, yeah. our, in our podcast. But um, yeah, it's it's odd because you'd think when Jesus does these amazing miracles, right, he'd want the PR. Yeah. <laughs> Go and tell everybody Absolutely. how awesome I am, yeah. you know, because I'm doing these incredible things. Uh, but Jesus doesn't want people to get the wrong idea about why he has come. There were lots of expectations at the time about what the Messiah uh, this great king would do. Um, and a lot of them, people interpreted that in political terms, right? They were under the oppression of the Roman army and they thought, well, when the Messiah comes, he's going to be a military leader and he's going to free us. So, you know, Jesus obviously has this incredible power to mm. heal and to feed people, um, to uh, cast out evil spirits. If he's got that sort of power, imagine what he could do to a Roman legion. Um, but Jesus wants to keep it on the quiet so that he can continue to do the work that he comes to do and that he could go to the cross in order to forgive our sins, which is the key role that he'd come to do. Um, so, yeah, he keeps it quiet until much later. It's only right before his death where he's he's much more open about who he is and that he is the Messiah, um, but only once he's taught people about how central his death is to that role. Yeah. Uh, our second question today comes, it's very specific. Uh, Mark chapter 3, verse 29. I'll read that for us. It's a question around this. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. What what does that mean? Yeah. I mean, we haven't, on this podcast, we haven't really spoken about the Holy Spirit yet. Mm. Um, I assume we'll get there. Um, so maybe just quickly, who's the Holy Spirit? What does blaspheme mean? And why is that an eternal sin? Yeah. Uh, so Christians believe that uh, there is one God uh, who is the creator but God exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so uh, in the Bible, the Holy Spirit uh, is spoken of as um, the one who empowers people to uh, live their lives for God, who does the work of sort of transforming us from the inside out who equips us and gives us gifts. Uh, but in short, the Holy Spirit is actually God himself, um, the person of the Holy Spirit. Um, this question, um, I've had the experience a couple of times in my life, Andy, where I get a phone call from a, from a mate and it starts something like this, you know, oh, I've been reading through the Bible and I've come up with this bit and I think to myself, oh, this is going to be the question about blasphemy and the Holy Spirit. It's <laughs> almost, be Mark 5.29, yeah, yeah, I yeah. bet you. <laughs> um, yeah, because people get worried about it. They sure. read this and they think, oh, maybe I you know, thought bad thoughts about the Holy Spirit in my mind or I said something. Maybe I've committed this and so God will never forgive me and I'm completely stuffed. Mm. Um, say up front, if you're worried that you have committed this sin, then it guarantees that you, that you ha pretty much guarantees that you haven't done it. Okay. Right. Sure. <laughs> if you're okay. worried and you are seeking God's forgiveness, then you you certainly haven't committed this sin. You need to understand the context around it. Sure. Jesus has been performing miracles, and particularly in this context, he's driving out evil spirits. And some of the religious leaders who have just seen right in front of their very eyes 
Jesus' power to rescue people from the powers of darkness, and then they say, oh, Jesus is possessed by evil. So they look in the face of good and they call it evil. And they're so hardened in their attitude to Jesus, they, they just won't accept him, even though they've seen the evidence right before their eyes, that they call it evil. And it's in that context that Jesus warned them about committing this sin. So it seems to be that there is such a hardness of heart towards Jesus that you're not willing to accept him, and that that seems to be what blaspheming the Holy Spirit is. Which is why I say, if you're worried about it, you almost certainly hasn't, haven't committed it. Because if you are seeking God's forgiveness, and if you're willing to accept Jesus, his life and his death for you, then there's an openness in you and there's a softness of heart which shows that you're not committing this sin. Um, so it really is a rejection of Jesus mm. himself, which is what this sin is. And because Jesus is the way that God gives us to be in a relationship with him, if you reject Jesus, then you're rejecting the one way to be forgiven and the mm. one way to be in a relationship with God. Um, so that's, I think, what it comes down to. And uh, if you're worried about it, I'd encourage you not to be worried about it, but to embrace Jesus as the means for us to be forgiven and that God freely offers that forgiveness as we've been speaking about today. Yeah, great. Well, that's going to do it for this week. Thank you once again for joining us. Thanks for uh, leading us through this, Tim. Not a problem, Andy. Looking forward to next week's one. Absolutely. And uh, don't forget to send us your questions, questions at stjohnsdc.org.au and to read Mark chapters 6 through 10, Uh, Ready for next week? There will be a quiz. Subscribe in your favourite podcasting app on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from. And um, yeah, we can't wait to have you again next week. Bye for now.